Hello, friends, and welcome to HC Weekly. This is a podcast proclaiming the love of God on display through Jesus Christ. We're so glad you're with us, and I need to tell you, we've been expecting you. We encourage you to tune in for an important announcement at the end. And now it's time for today's message. We hope you enjoy. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, uh, you'll recall there was a point in which uh, people were prayed for um, and uh, ministered to for healing. And, uh, and so if you received something and you were here, will you hold up your hand? Cindy, would you come up, please? It is very important, saints, that, that when uh, the Lord moves in your life, that you share it. Otherwise, you got a seed sown into your heart that is meant to germinate, sprout forth, and bring forth fruit. But if you keep silent, you're not watering the seed. And you're giving the enemy an opportunity to steal it, believe it or not. He could steal a revelation from your heart if you don't let your ears hear your voice, acknowledge it. Your ears need to hear you speak out in acknowledgement of what God has given to you. Amen. What do you do for you, Cindy? My um, knees have been really bad here lately. First, it was this one, and I came up for prayer, um, I don't know, about a month ago. And, um, and that one was healed. And then it went to this one. And this one was a little bit different. And I don't know why it was different, but it was just excruciating pain. So I came up again the other day. And the first time I came up, it wasn't healed. And then he had the second time we prayed. And, and he let us know that sometimes prayers get interrupted for certain reasons. And um, so I, had, I still had faith. And I just kept praying. And every time I'd have a twinge of a pain come in there, I would just say, devil, be gone. God's got this, and it'd go away. And it'd just go away. And, I mean, I'm telling you, I could almost fall with the pain was so strong. And I was up here dancing, well, just moving and, you know, having a good time. And I don't have that pain today. Um, It's very good. So now I have a little wrist pain, so we got to work on that one. But, uh, yeah, no pain in the knees, so... When it comes upon you, just say, devil, be gone, and God's got this. Thank you. Well, wrist, be whole. The one who lives in you is not sick. Let me say that again. The one who lives in you isn't sick. The kingdom you've been called into, there is no sickness. The one that you live in is not sick. Sickness is a product of the fall. It is not a product of heaven. It is not created by God. It is the result of something that took place in creation when we fell. But under the new covenant, all the curses and everything that were brought in through the fall We're taken upon Jesus at the cross. You should think about that. Because the scriptures do teach that. Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. You can't be cursed. You don't have a generational curse. Jesus bore your curse. The enemy would like you to believe you can have a generational curse. Because that would be to his favor. Because everything that happens to you in this life is according to your faith. And you can have faith for bad things just as you can have faith for the good things. You can have an expectation for Murphy's Law to be fulfilled in your life every day of the week. And you'll have a testimony that you share with your friends. Yeah, it was a sucky Monday. Just like I expected it would be. I told, I told so-and-so I was going to have a bad Monday yesterday. Sure enough, it was a bad, oh, you're a prophet now. You're a self-fulfilling prophet is what you are when you're doing that because you're choosing to release out of your mouth words of affirmation to what you believe in your heart. And you're saying that you expect these things to come upon you 
and they do because you're looking for those. But what if you were expecting the good things that God has promised to come upon you? And you were speaking out those things in your life. I want to share with you a message this morning I've entitled, Save a Seat at the Table. Save a Seat at the Table. Now, I want you to understand something about how faith works. Number one, faith is not abstract, ambiguous, and it's not about things as much it is as it is about a person. A person named Jesus, what is his character, what is his nature, what has he revealed concerning himself, what has he revealed concerning his Father, and it's faith in that. Okay? Now, you're not going to get faith just because you hear me saying, have faith. Or you hear the sound of my voice. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now, what that means is it's not talking about a mere logos, but we can be reading the logos, and all of a sudden, it just tweaks us in our heart because the Holy Spirit is revealing it to us in a fresh new way. And what happens to you? Faith arises in the area in which he is speaking to you and giving you a revelation concerning Jesus or the Father or how the kingdom works or whatever the case may be. You're part of a kingdom that is not of this world. With a king whose character is good and gracious and merciful and kind and faithful. That's the kingdom you've come into. You're not of this world. I need to say that again. You are not of this world. Am I trying to convince you you are an alien? Yes, I am. Because there is truth that there are aliens. Because you are aliens. You are not of this world. You are heaven-born, citizens of his kingdom. We need to think that way a lot more than we probably do. Because it can change a whole lot. It can affect a whole lot about our decisions we make. The, the, the things that we dream about, imagine, can be possible, the opportunities we may be able to see. All this stuff is affected by how we train ourselves. Now, you can fix your thinking to quote the word, but you need the word to get into your heart. It needs to get into your heart. And for it to get to that depth and level, you have to meditate on it. And ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me, reveal to me, reveal to me. Please, show me Jesus. Show me what he's like. Show me what the Father is like. And then the Father will say to you, I've shown you what I'm like. I sent you my son. He showed you what I was like. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? Now, last Sunday after the service, the family went out together to eat. And Sue arrived first and got a table. And then I was joined, she was joined by Timothy and myself. And we saved seats for the rest of the family for when they could arrive. And while we sat there, we enjoyed each other's company and the chips and the salsa they brought out to the table for us. We even had them bring out their special cheese dip and some drinks. And I ordered Sheila a Dr. Pepper to make sure it'd be ready when she came in and sat down. And we call this, this practice, this action, saving someone a seat at the table. Now, we might get there ahead of them. But we are excited and thrilled to save them a seat in anticipation of sharing with them this wonderful thing that is about to unfold. But it doesn't mean you don't get to enjoy whoever's already there and what's already available. Now, just a few things to note about saving a seat for someone before we get into the meat of this message today. First, there's five things I want to talk about here. First, saving a seat does not require me to be miserable while waiting for the other person to arrive. That is not spiritual. Second, saving a seat does not mean I'm better than them, superior to them, or that they owe me anything once they get there. Third, Saving a seat does not make me a victim. It enables me to be a friend. Yeah. 
And then fourth, saving the seat with the right attitude and motivation requires a little maturity. If you can't save a seat with a good attitude, eh, you might use that as a discernment tool that you've got some growing to do. The fifth, saving a seat usually demonstrates a value to the other person as you wish them to be seated next to you and not have to worry if they're going to have a seat once they arrive. Saving a seat expresses love. Now, I give this analogy to build into us today a realization for how to carry ourselves in the revelation of the, that the Holy Spirit gives to us, whether it be revelation of deliverance or revelation on healing or revelation of, of how to advance in some area of our lives or whatever the case may be. Um, I also hope to encourage you in real situations of life you might be currently going through and tell you that you need to be looking for who's been saving you a seat. I also hope to cast a vision in you for the good things available at his table and why you should be wanting to be seated at it. You see, Jesus is not only saving you a seat, he's gone before to set it all in place and make sure it is foolproof. And I don't know about you, but I'm someone who really needs it to be foolproof. Okay? Look at Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 with me very quickly. This is just, this is our appetizer at the table this morning. This is our appetizer. Verse 14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our what? Confession. This is not confession of sin. This is confession of his goodness, of what he's done for us, of how we have received from him those good and wonderful things that he has promised. That is our confession. And we're supposed to hold fast our confession. Which confession are you to hold fast? It is not a confession of your unworthiness. It is not a confession of your, your, you're, not, you're, not, uh, you're not like anybody else. You're not as good as. You're not, that's not the confession. That's not a good confession. Verse 15. Why should we hold fast our confession? We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can hold fast your confession because somebody paid a price for you. Somebody shed his blood for you. You are clean. You were made clean. Now, because Jesus went ahead of us into heaven itself and serves as our high priest, we can now have confidence to go about bearing a good confession. Nobody wants to hear you say, well, you need Jesus. He's not really working that great in my life. I mean, if you really knew who I was, I mean, you know, we'd have to score about a two for his, his, his service and his uh, success because I'm just nothing. I'm just nobody. I just struggle with everything. I just this. I just that. I don't, you know. Well, that, you've convinced me. I, that, that's what I want. I want a failure for a Savior. Come on. Give me a failure for a Savior. Now, think about that. That's what complaining, that's what false humility, that's what these things are sowing in the minds and the hearts of the people who have to listen to it. They need to hear you saying, you need to know my Jesus. He brought me out of death and gave me life. He cleansed me from my sin by washing me in his very own blood. Eternally set me as being the very righteousness of God 
for eternity has promised to love me faithfully and has done so. In other words, it's like the psalmist, bless the Lord. Oh, now that's a good confession. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What does he do? He crowns you. What? With loving kindness. And who what? Heals all my diseases. <laughs> Psalmist had a good confession. Now, you hear somebody making that kind of confession, you're kind of interested in who it is they came to know. See, you're not asked to give somebody an answer for the reason of your negativity. We want you to give an answer for the reason of your doubt. We want you to give somebody an answer for the reason of your criticism. It doesn't say that. It says, be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. The hope that lies within you. It's a comfort to know someone has gone ahead of you and saved you a seat. Last Sunday, Sheila was able to go home, get comfortable, then come to the restaurant to join the rest of us. She knew without a doubt she would have a seat. It freed her up to tend to some things before arriving. Her goal Intending the things was to make sure she would be able to fully engage and enjoy her place at the table with all the ones she loves. And when you know that the person saving your place loves you and simply wishes to, to have you there with them, for that very reason, you get, to, you get to rest and enjoy the moment. You wanted to know what the rudimentary key to true hospitality is? You're saving them a seat because you love them. Not because you need them to affirm you. Not because you need them to come and, and, and great numbers and prove that you're that popular. Not. You're doing it because you love them. Pure and simple. You do it because you love them, I guarantee you, you may not have the mahal. You may not have a mansion. You may not have the fanciest of, of settings. You may not even be the best griller in the neighborhood. But it won't matter. It won't matter. People can even endure, believe it or not, people can endure bad food if they're at a table filled with love. Now, if I can just... I won't do it because this is not, no, no, I'm not going to do it, no. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I have honor in my heart this morning, and so I'm just not going to go there. <laughs> well, you guys keep on, and I'm trying to avoid this, but you won't stop. Now, stop. <laughs> You're trying to make me go there, and I'm not going to go. Get behind me. <laughs> I'm trying to do you a favor this morning. Let me do that, please. <laughs> wow. <laughs> when it comes to the <laughs> when it comes to the revelation from the Holy Spirit that you receive, this is how we can carry ourselves toward others who have yet to lay hold of what it is that we see. See, when you get revelation, you may not yet have the natural manifestation, but you have the boldness and the courage and the confidence on the basis of the revelation to let things come out of your mouth. And that's good. You should do that. But you're not, and even once the natural manifestation arrives in its proper timing for your situation, you're still not supposed to lord that over anybody or treat somebody like, why can't you get it or, or whatever, 
you're supposed to carry that revelation with a gracious heart and attitude toward others. You're supposed to save a seat. We're called to save them a place at the table, not lord over them that we see something they don't or make them feel inferior when they do arrive to join us at the same table. Oh, you finally see it? I've been seeing this for seven years. About time you caught up. Man, are you slow. You know, when they were giving out brains, you thought they said trains and said, make mine a slow one. I mean, really? Come on. Should we be treating people that way? I don't think so. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be saying, man, I am so glad you are here. We've got another one added into the unity of faith around this matter. Woo! Now, at the same time, those who have been at the table are not expected to refuse to enjoy what is available to them until everybody gets there. Well, I'm sorry. We can't have any healings here today. Everybody's not at the same place yet. Oh, you want to be saved? You can't do that today until everybody who is unsaved in our mix is ready to get saved. That is not how the kingdom of God operates. You get to come, you get to enjoy, you get to partake, you get to participate, you get to do all these different wonderful and glorious things. But what you don't get to do is treat others who are not there yet as though they're stupid, lesser. Come on. You don't get to criticize, and nor do they get to criticize you for having received. In order for others to know the value of having a place saved for them, they must be able to see how others are already benefiting from being at the table and enjoying what it offers. Somebody has to be enjoying this. Now, this is especially true when it comes to the availability of grace, the new covenant, healing, the trustworthiness of God, the reliability of his promises made to us. See, I want to look at something that took place that involves Jesus and a Greek woman who came to him for help with her daughter who was demon-possessed. She had a daughter who was demon-possessed, but she was Greek. She was Greek. If you'll open your Bibles to Mark 7, verse 25 through 30, this is a primary text for us this morning. We're getting near the end. Don't panic. But Mark chapter 7, I love this story because it's so pregnant with revelation if you'll meditate on it and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what he wants you to see. Mark 7 verse 25 says, For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, meaning Jesus, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and she said to him, Check this answer out. Yes, Lord, I get what you're saying. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, For this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Now, a table symbolizes a place of receiving provision for life and health. It symbolizes abundance, connection, fellowship, and joy. For this woman, even the crumbs from his table would be a blessing. To her, to be a dog getting the crumbs would be a blessing. Thus, when we as his children have a place at the table, we ought to be very thankful. Extremely thankful. 
And we ought to realize that the table, brothers and sisters, is never empty. You're never being brought to an empty table when he brings you to the table. He sets us a table in the presence of our enemies. He wants the enemy to see how abundantly he has provided for us and how faithfully he cares for us. It's like rubbing salt in the enemy's eyes and saying, take that. See, that's why we openly give praise to God for what we expect to receive from his table. So we need at this point to give heed to something that Scripture testifies to in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, where it says very clearly, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, you can't please him. Without faith, you don't expect. Without faith, you don't look. Without faith, you don't draw near. Without faith, you don't do these things. Everything to do with the kingdom begins at the point of faith for us. Everything. Now, this woman who came to Jesus Man, she's like a hero to me. She wasn't engaged in any false humility. She didn't make a confession, yeah, I'm a dog. She just simply raised the point that, hey, even if that were true, dogs get the crumbs the children drop. In other words, I'm still not giving up because I, would, I still believe you'll do this for me. And what does it say? Jesus said, this is controversial. Jesus said, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. Wait a minute here. Why would Jesus say, for this saying? The other translation says, because you have said this. In other words, because you made this confession. For those that want to sit and criticize and question and be all negative about the power of making a good confession, you need to take and just get a permanent marker or something with paint and just take this completely out of your Bible because a good confession just produced fruit. It's there. The Holy Spirit gives, us to it, gives it to us as a witness of the power of knowing in your heart the truth and out of that place of truth in the heart, speaking what you've come to believe. It matters. It matters. Scripture speaks of a good confession of faith. A good confession of faith. Everything flows to us through the pipeline of faith. If you don't have a pipeline, you don't have a flow. And I'm not your pipeline. My voice is not the pipeline. But if you come expecting to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you through my voice, and his voice lands on your heart, guess what? Your seat at the table becomes very real to you. No one gets to the table, or goes to the table, I should say, unless they believe there's something for them at the table and that they are welcomed to it. The Greek woman whose daughter was delivered bears witness to the willingness of Jesus. And Jesus is a witness to the willingness of the Father. She heard... And she went. She must have come back to give thanks and report on what transpired because it says she went home to find her daughter on her bed, free of the demon, just as Jesus said. So how could that be known unless it had been reported? You see why your testimony matters so much? 
How can other, others know what God's done for you if you aren't telling them what it is he's done for you? You tell somebody that. I mean, how many of you at Christmas got a great Christmas gift and you told everybody you ran into, man, this is a great Christmas. Let me tell you what I got for Christmas. I got this and I got that, but this was the creme de la creme, man. This was it. You know, and you're testifying to something that really touched you. Right? How many of you got the job that you were looking for? And you didn't come home tell anybody. You just got up the next day and sh- just went off to work. Anybody ever done that? How many of you graduated high school? Didn't tell a soul. You wanted to keep it incognito, under wraps. Don't want nobody to know. How many of you got a boyfriend or girlfriend? Didn't tell anybody. We'll have a talk after this meeting. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? How many things are there in this life that mean nothing at all in comparison to the riches and the glory and the wonder of the kingdom of God that has come unto you? They mean nothing by comparison. And yet we have not the first hint of any problem talking to other people about it, making it known. We broadcast it. We advertise it. Now we have social media, and we're like, how many likes can I get for saying this? Hello? Why not get some likes for saying what God is and what he's done in your life? It's true. You might be a little closer to getting a few negative comments by people who don't want to hear how good God is. Some of those have come from Christianity. But you know what? I'd rather give praise to God. I'd rather give thanks to God. I'd rather acknowledge the goodness of God in my life. When I bring prophetic words into the workplace, when they were trying to give me persecution and grief, and I would say, this ain't going to work. The Father won't be happy about this. You ought to think about this. They'd say, what, are you thinking you're his favorite? No, I don't think I'm his favorite, but I do know that I belong to Jesus And he loves me, and he's my father, and he looks out after me. And what you're doing right now is displeasing to him, and you ought to rethink what you're thinking of doing to me. I'll just leave it on the table. Why don't I want people to be mean to me? Because depending on the nature of it, it ain't going to go well. I am that convinced that my father loves me. You could be mean to one of my sons who isn't necessarily honoring me the way he should be at this point in time, and I'm not going to appreciate it. He's my son. He's my son. Just like what I shared when our father passed, you know, and on the football team, we're on the bleachers and way at the top of these bleachers, and One of the kids is saying, your father was stupid. He killed himself. He found his way to the ground real quick. It wasn't a small fall either. We got in trouble for that one. But regardless of how stupid you may think it is, he was my dad. You might have even done something dumb. But that still doesn't give somebody a right to come and attack you, your father won't be pleased with that. You need to get that because that helps you fight the battle in the spirit that you need to be able to fight. You need to know that because of Jesus, you have favor now. Do you understand that you have favor with God? Incredible favor with God is yours. Not because of anything you've done. Simply because your faith is in Jesus Christ. 
Now, God is not the author of sickness and disease. Who do you think is behind all that? If we can get this stuff, I'm telling you, if we'll just ask the Holy Spirit, if we'll meditate, if we'll just spend time in the Word of God on these things and ask the Holy Spirit to give us revelation, I'm telling you now, you can walk in health. You can walk in wellness. You can walk in peace. You can walk in joy. Righteousness, joy, and peace is the kingdom of God in the Holy Spirit. And you can walk in these things even under the severest of attacks from the enemy himself. But to get there, you don't get there just because you heard it said one time from a pulpit. You get there because you heard there's something good at the table and you want it now. And you go to the table and you start chewing on it. You, you pick it up off the plate at your place at the table and you start chewing on it. And saying, Holy Spirit, let me get all the goodness out of this in my mouth right now. You give me all the goodness I can get out of it. I want it all. I remember I had been saved long. Mark had a trailer out on Route 1 Miller Road. I'm laying there in my bed one day. Just read the passage. The heavens can't contain him. I think it's Isaiah. The, the, the heavens of heavens can't contain him. The, you know, the earth is full of his glory. All these things, these marvelous things about God. And then I just all of a sudden felt moved to pray. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, if this is saying this about you, yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm born again. But there's more that's available to me. I just know it. And whatever it is, I'll take it. And within moments, I was saying, oh, God, please stop. I'm going to die. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, the intensity. It was like I had grabbed a hold of a 100,000-watt power, power line or something, you know. I felt like I was levitating off my bed. The power of God was just pulsing through my body. I thought my heart was going to stop. I got out of that situation there and immediately began to prophesy and give words of knowledge to people. I was only, my only history of Christianity was Southern Baptist. Those things don't happen. But all of a sudden, with no teaching, no instruction, no nothing, the goodness of God was operating in my life in an amazing way. Mark had testified to it. We had poltergeist in that trailer. He was the one that come get me out of bed and saying, you got to drive these things out, man. This is scaring me to death. <laughs> and I, what would I say every time, Mark? I'd say, this is your house. You're the leader of this home. You need to get your heart right with God so you can take authority over this and end it all for good. <laughs> And he eventually did do that. But the thing is, you have favor with God, and God wants to give you good things. God wants to do amazing things in and through your life. Oh, if I could convince you of that. Personal testimony, saints, is powerful. It makes others aware of the faithful acts of God toward his children. And faith declarations are important as well because God is glorified by declarations of faith concerning his willingness, even though it cannot be seen in the natural just yet. It testifies of our faith in him as our father. Now, I wonder, as we wind this up, how weird it was for someone to hear Abraham speak of an heir to come that he would leave everything to when he and Sarah were already past the age for having children. They didn't keep what God promised a secret. Think about that. If that's not enough for you, I wonder how strange Noah and others looked. They must have seen the others for rejoicing in the promises they had received. See, Noah couldn't hide his faith. It was manifesting over the span of 100 years. And by the way, if somebody came up to you and there's never been rain and never been a flood and you have no context for that and it's not in your dictionary, and they're saying, why are you building whatever it is? What are you building? An ark. What's an ark? It's the thing that God showed me. What's it do? It's going to rescue us from the flood. What's a flood? 
Well, that's when I guess I, a lot of water. Where's it coming from? I don't know. I was just told it's coming. I'm building this, and if you're smart, you'll get on it with me when it's time. <laughs> you don't think that was weird? That'd be like your neighbor building a rocket to Mars. And you go, what are you building, a rocket? A rocket? What for? We, man, this world's coming to an end. We've got to find another one. Really, if you're smart, you'll get on it. You'd be thinking, this guy's lost. Man, he's, he's, he's a whole box of fries short of a Happy Meal. He doesn't even have a hamburger in the bag. That's what you'd be thinking. That's what these men of God were up against in their confessions. And today we think if we make any kind of statement that has not yet manifested, people are going to think we're strange. And it's sad when what we worry about people thinking outweighs our desire to get off the table what God said is ours to have. See, if you're afraid of others thinking you're strange for believing in things unseen, you're not going to come to his table and take what is yours. You'll struggle to give thanks and give praise. And thanksgiving and praise, saints, abound where true faith abounds. Joy comes by faith because faith is not about what you can see. It's rooted in what you believe about God. And a natural thinking person doesn't understand that. But those with faith get it. They get it. There is a seat at the table for you. There is, and there are good things there for you. You know, if, if having success and prospering and being in health and all these things are so bad, then why did Abraham have it? Where do you think Noah got all the resources to do that amazing ark that he built? What about the sons of Isaac, the patriarchs of Israel, and the things that they enjoyed? Boy, God is contradicting himself if, if we're just supposed to be poor and miserable and sick all the time. Why wasn't Abraham all diseased? Why wasn't Moses diseased? Joshua. We could sit and go through an entire list of old covenant men of men and women of God. That's not their that's not their testimony. It's not. And they were under an old covenant. There was healing in the old covenant. <laughs> healing in the old covenant. Cecil B. DeMille does a, a, a great injustice in the Ten Commandments movie because he has one clip of an old man saying, here, take this fig tree, I'm dried and withered up. That is completely against the testimony of the Word of God. They came out of Egypt well, with wealth, and their sandals did not wear out, nor were there any sick among them. That's what it says. Healing... It's in the heart of God. It's at the table that he has set for you and I to come sit at. And he's welcoming you to come to that table and take what is yours. But not just that. He's asking you to take it and keep a right attitude and save a seat for someone else. How do you save a seat for someone else? You let them know where you've gone, 
what is there, how wonderful it is, and how you're waiting for them to get there to join you in it. Come on, you're welcome too. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Are you getting this? Keep, keep tuned into the blog post. I'm going to be putting up more links that you can add to what you're receiving. I'm going through specific things right now to make sure that they're not hokey before I offer them to you. So they got to pass a particular test. But, but I, I'm telling you, I'm going to offer you some things that it will definitely, if you'll open your heart and your mind to it, it'll build your faith. Yes, Sheila. Very quick, just take a minute, a teaching moment, Grandma Sheila. <laughs> I know there's such a variety of um, ages and levels in this room, how long you've been in the Lord, how instructed you've been in the things of God, and I feel very strongly to share something with you. Um, Tim, can you find your notes and very quickly read again? Uh, out of Mark chapter 7, starting with verse 25. Yep, Mark 7, verse 25. First, what is your translation, please? New, New King James Version. New King James Version. Okay, listen to him read these few verses. You got the mic? Sorry. <laughs> what verses? 25 through... What I read in my thing? Yes. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. She kept asking. But Jesus said to her, let the children first be filled, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on a bed. All right. I am not hating on Eugene Peterson, okay? But I, just for devotional purposes, will sometimes read out of the message. I want you to hear that same passage from the message. Are you listening? Yes, remember something Tim said towards the end, the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, I really want you to share this with my people. Because he said, he, he read a scripture and he said, that's what's in there. That's what it says. Well, what if the translation you're reading from is watered down? You're not going to know what it's actually saying. Listen to the message. Jesus was barely inside when a woman who had a disturbed daughter heard where he was. She came and knelt at his feet begging for help. The woman was Greek, Syrophoenician by birth. She asked him to cure her daughter. She asked him to cure her disturbed daughter. In better translations, you're going to understand that this daughter was being tormented by a demonic spirit. And the woman came begging Jesus to cast the spirit out of her daughter. All right? Uh, and then, of course, the exchange between them, uh, Eugene Peterson does it pretty well. But then uh, Jesus was impressed, it says, when the woman said, don't the dogs under the table get the, the scraps? Jesus was impressed. You're right, Jesus said. Wah, wah. On your way, your daughter is no longer disturbed. There, I'm, Grandma Sheila's done. <laughs> Class is over. We can be dismissed. Be careful what your study Bible is. There are other translations or other, uh, what is it called? Not a, not paraphrases. paraphrases that are fine for devotional purposes. But when you're really reading to hear a word from the Lord, be aware of the translation that you're using. That's a good point. It's a good point. Clarity matters, you know. 
So the presence of God is here. Um, and, where, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Guess what else where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? Healing. There's healing. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is healing. You know? If we can start connecting these dots as a kingdom people, instead of letting ourselves think a little more like natural people, but let the kingdom mindset start to take root and heart into us, anything's possible anytime. Anything's possible anytime. Okay? Now, just real quick before we come to a place of prayer, and I know I've kept you a little longer, but this, this stuff is very important because it's going to play into what God is taking this church into. And no, he's not just making us about a healing as a church. There's going to be people getting saved. There are going to be demonic people being set free. There are going to be people being healed, and they're going to be added to this church. Right? And we're preparing our spirit and our soul and our flesh to be in step with the Holy Spirit as these things are coming forth, right? And that's why we're being so, so careful with this um, and so committed to this. Um, so wherever the Holy Spirit is, these things are present. And if we'll get that down, anything is possible anywhere, anytime. Now, Sometimes you'll pray for somebody and they won't get healed. Now, it's one thing if the gift of healing comes on you and you know that you know that you know that when you pray for this individual, they're going to be healed whether they have faith or they don't. It doesn't, it doesn't hinge on their faith at all. This is just one of those moments that for whatever reason, whether God wants to demonstrate something or whatever it is that his reason is, he has come to you, revealed to you, moved you, and you know that you know that you know this is going to happen. And you do it, and it happens. End of story. But then there's moments that you're just being obedient to pray for people, you know, and nothing happens. Well, if there's no faith, was the Holy Spirit ever absent when Jesus was doing ministry? came to Nazareth, his hometown, and he could not do many mighty things there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Faith draws on the glory, the power, the life of God. It draws on it. You can't make somebody have faith. I can't make somebody have faith. But we can teach the Word of God because where the kingdom is preached, these signs follow. And it follows and it lands on those who have faith. Amen? Jesus went to the man at the pool. He said, what, what would you have done? Would you be well? I have no man to put me in the water. I didn't ask you how. I'm asking you, do you want to be well? Do you want to be made whole? Don't give me your reasons why you can't. Just tell me whether or not you truly do want to be whole. And he said, yes, Lord. And the Lord said, get up and walk. That was a Holy Spirit moment. Gift of healing operates that way. If you're not being moved in the gift of healing, if that person that you're praying for doesn't have faith, you might not see manifestation, something immediate. That doesn't mean that what you did was wrong or bad. It just means that, that you need to sow the Word of God into this person. That's the why they should be able to expect, if they're in Christ, to have favor from, from, from the Lord. Amen? And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to set... We're trying to sow seed into the ground of your heart for you to go and take that and pour over it and pour over it and pour over it with the Lord so that it will produce a harvest.
of faith in your life. Yes, ma'am. Six years? But two steps. Well, we prayed for her. The, the glory of the Lord was there. We were praying. And my son's a pastor. He said, do you have faith that Jesus can heal you? She said, yes. She got up out of that chair. We were with her. And me and my other daughter were both nurses. So, you know, we made sure we had her. But she walked all the way out the church. She didn't want to stop. She went through the church door. <laughs> yeah. Outside, it was raining, and it was lightning, so my daughter-in-law said, you better come back, and so we came back in, and she walked all the way back down the aisle. I mean, it was awesome. God is getting ready to break out. It is time, church. It is time. There you have it. With that said, I want to wind up today. If you have need of healing or prayer for anything, we're happy to minister to you. We're prepared to minister in faith. By the way, if you're sick, it says what? Call for the elders, and they shall pray the prayer of faith, laying hands, and the sick shall what? Recover. It says if any sick be among you, the expectation is that there's not any. But if there are some, here's what you can do. Right? So we just need to get... We need to get into this word and let the Holy Spirit get this word down into our hearts. Amen. Father, we thank you for this moment that you've given to us so precious in your presence today together. On a holiday for our nation, Lord, where we're celebrating independence, but the greater independence is what we have in your son. And so we thank you for these things. We thank you for your grace and your favor and your love and your mercy, your compassion. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. And, Lord, help us reach a place where our greatest confidence is in your desire for us to be whole. Our greatest confidence is in your desire to see us do well, your desire to see us have boldness and courage in your name. Lord, we ask for these things. We ask the Holy Spirit to minister them to us and strengthen us in them. And, Lord, if there is anybody here that that truly has not been born again, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to make it so clear and evident to them that they can't escape it and cause surrender to come forth in their heart. Father, we pray for these things. We thank you for what you're, you're doing already. And, Lord, you're trying to help us catch up to you. So we just, we just thank you for getting behind and giving us a push. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Everyone said amen. What a great encouragement from the Lord. Hello again. We want to invite you to subscribe to this ministry. We would love to hear from you. Contact us at our website, www.harvestchurchknoxville.com. Click on the connect button and leave us a message. We'll respond to you just as soon as we can. You can also interact with us on Facebook at Harvest Church. Our request is that you pray for us and also pray about financially supporting this ministry so it can continue to go out. No gift is too small. If you have a local church, please don't neglect it in your giving whenever giving to this ministry. There's three easy ways to give and all our giving options are secure. Your first option is at our website. Again, www.harvestchurchknoxville.com. Click on the Give button and follow the steps. Your second option is via text. Send a text to 865-366-4993 with the amount that you wish to give in the message section. Your third option is via snail mail. Send it to Harvest Church, 6720 Kern Road, that's K-E-R-N, Knoxville, Tennessee, 37918. If you are in the Knoxville, Tennessee area and you don't have a church home, we invite you to come and be with us. We'd love to see you. Again, thank you for listening. Our prayer for you is that you grow in your knowledge of Christ Jesus and experience great increase of grace and peace. Remember, Jesus really loves you.